I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there. Welcome to another edition of the Wolverine.com Monday Night Podcast brought to you by the Wolverine.com and sponsored by our friends over at the Rogue Shop, who you'll hear about a little bit later. Anthony Broom here tonight with uh, Clayton Safey, just the two of us as we talk Michigan football's 10-0 start, uh, your questions, would love to talk about some basketball if you throw those in there. Uh, we already have a couple. I mean, we're just going to hop right into it tonight and and, and get into. Usually, we'd kind of do our little exchange pleasantries, and you know, Clay will get his get the spotlight to address what he saw. But we have a couple questions already in the hopper, a couple super chats. So, Clay, uh, I'll I'll give you a second to say hello, but ready to just kind of hop into this. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do this thing. It's crazy we're at this point in the season, but uh, a lot to talk about. All right, well, we'll just start with Shane Johnson here, who has a $20 super chat. We love Shane, uh, one of our, they're called P1 listeners in the radio industry. Uh, always very loyal to us, and we appreciate that. Always very generous, too, so thank you, Shane. Uh, more bizarre, wide receiver play or Michigan's 25th-ranked 2023 recruiting class. But I know our defense is ranked number one in the nation in both scoring and total defense, reminding us OGs uh, of the 97 Natty defensive line and running back room and elite defense will be enough to in 12 days to get the w lfg uh it's we're gonna keep it at that because it's g rated here yeah shane's thrown a lot at us here so i guess we'll just kind of go point by point uh the wide receiver play and the passing game have been under the microscope and i guess this is where i kind of come in and do and address uh saturday's post game show uh straight up hand up I didn't like the tone of how, how that came across. Uh, I felt it was a little nitpicky, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, you guys that follow us and follow me know that we try to keep it real, but that one was a little too much twisting the knife uh, on the things that went wrong in the very few things that went wrong in another blowout win. So uh, we're not doing 50 minutes tonight on JJ and deep balls and the wide receivers, but I like that Shane is giving us the opportunity to kind of address this and, and – put a bow on it to start the show. So I guess Clay will go point by point. Uh, what is more bizarre to you? Is it the wide receiver play or is it the 2023 recruiting class? It's a good question, Shane. I appreciate it. I'd probably say the 25th ranked recruiting class. Um, but I think there are kind of like explanations or reasons or, you know, things behind both. So Bizarre is a decent way to put it. I mean, when you're the number three team in the country and your recruiting class is around 25th, haven't looked in the last few days, but it's surprising. I think NIL is a factor there, Michigan being a little bit slower to adapt. And then if you look at, um, you know, what happened early on in the offseason with some uncertainty with the coaching staff, that sort of stuff. Um, but I'd say it's the 25th. It's still surprising, even though you're not totally up to par with NIL, that you're at this point. I will say going down the stretch here before signing day, which I believe is December 21st, which is pretty late for signing day. Um, you have a chance to finish really strong here. Jim Harbaugh said that today, not that we'd expect him to say anything else, but he said he anticipates a strong finish. They did that last season. And a lot of that had to do with how good of a year they had. So there's time there. Uh, there are some targets on the board uh, as our EJ Holland, you know, has talked about throughout the last few weeks that are still kind of out there and the Michigan can close with. They're close to closing with some, so uh, I'd go with that. We can certainly talk about the wide receiver play as well, though, in, in the passing game, and I know there's some other questions on that too. Yeah, recruiting, again, all you can really do at this point is just keep winning and put yourself in position. I think some of it goes to, you know, some of it can exp be explained away by they've there's been a readjustment of the guys that they have been taking to because – the culture change that has been implemented has been so successful. And uh, I typically trust the staff's evaluations when it comes to, you know, getting those three-star guys to like a Hassan Haskins or, I mean, you name it on, from guys on this year's roster, Ronnie Bell would be another example that Colston Loveland, a guy from Idaho that was just kind of floating out there that Jay Harbaugh finds. So stud. Yeah. 
Yeah, stud. I mean, as ready a freshman as I've seen at Michigan in a while. So at least in terms of guys that aren't, you know, uh, you know, five stars out of the box like a Will Johnson is and what have you. So, yeah, I mean, self-inflicted wounds on the rec- recruiting trail. I think that even they would probably tell you that. Uh, didn't exactly capitalize as much as they could have or should have last year, but you win the games. And, and this is the other thing is that I don't believe it's a direct result of all of these recruits just going out and trying to get the bag either. Like, I think there is, uh, you know, when you ask, when people ask what the reason for that is, I think all of all options and all scenarios, I think are kind of on the table, mixture of this mixture of that. So, mm-hmm. um, I, so I'll say between the two, I mean, the most bizarre to me, just because we, we raved so much about it coming into the season is the wide receiver play because these are, this is the exact, pretty much the exact room they had last year. Uh, except you get Ronnie bell, you lose mm-hmm. Dalen Baldwin. I still think obviously that's a huge net gain. And then you have three really talented freshmen. So again, when we look to place blame for why the passing game, and I want to make something else clear too, is that when we talk about the wide receivers in the passing game, and it's not, there's an understanding that they should like, if no one's going to stop the run, this team should run the football. Like that's, that's a no brainer. I think when, when there is criticism after a game like Saturday, it just more has to do with just execute what you're doing already. Right. It's why we praise the run game for being as elite as, as it is. And why we sort of dog on the passing game when you're leaving opportunities on the field. And again, this is, will kind of just be the last time we address it at length in this show. Well, there won't be because our next super chat kind of addresses it too. But I think the most alarming thing when it comes to Michigan's passing game is that in the last, it's not even alarming. It's just the last couple of weeks uh, we've seen a bit of a slip in. It's less about the deep balls and more about a bit of a slip in the the short and intermediate areas. Yeah. So uh, let's use that as a springboard into the second super chat of the night, which is from Kevin Finn for $10. Kevin, thank you so much. He says he's new to the Wolverine. Loves the content. Grateful to be 10 and 0, but pretty worried about our pass game. Here we go again. Me saying we're not going to address it, but this is a great way to address it. First two questions of the show. Uh, Wide receivers don't appear to be getting separation. Maybe we need to use play action more. And Clayton, as he does, did his homework on play action. And why don't you share with the class what you bring to the table this week in that area? Yeah. First of all, Kevin, welcome to the Wolverine. Uh, If anyone else wants to join out there, we're over at the Wolverine.com. $10 will get you in premium access to our message board, all our insider premium articles, all the way until the 2023 football season for just 10 bucks. So go and do that. Also drop a like on this video uh, as well. Use that opportunity to uh, do that. We appreciate Kevin and everybody out there. Um, so play action is kind of the wild card here, I think, for Michigan. And that's why I'm not overly worried about the pass game even though it has kind of struggled a little bit numbers wise yardage total wise over the last few weeks um if you look at the play action they've hardly run it jj mccarthy has 42 play action attempts there are 30 quarterbacks in the country with over 100 the overwhelming majority of full-time starting quarterbacks in the country have 70 80 you know up there double what jj mccarthy has um michigan has done a really good job of running the football They've got up in games. Uh, they've blown out teams. You know, there's only been one game decided by single digits. That all plays a factor in there as well. And I think something that we have learned over eight years of, of observing Jim Harbaugh coach Michigan teams is they do save some of the wrinkles and, you know, different things for some of the bigger games. And it is funny to me that play action, which is kind of pretty simple and has been going on for a really long time, is one of those wrinkles. But Michigan plays such an old school type of approach and the run game has been so good that they haven't had to do it. So 42 attempts. But what gives me some optimism here is the stats that go along with that 40 completions on 52 attempts, 704 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 13 and a half yards per attempt that leads the nation. Uh, So in terms of efficiency, in terms of what JJ is doing when they actually run that stuff, it's really good. He went four for four in play action against Nebraska. So with all the complaints about the pass game in that game, he still was able to be really efficient there. That included the touchdown to Ronnie Bell. Beautiful design in the red zone there where the safety was – the safety came down thing, and I am going to get a huge hit on Blake Corum here. It's going to be a play of the game type of thing. And, and little did he know, J.J. was able to just kind of flip it over to Ronnie, who was wide open in the end zone. So we've seen that work uh, a decent amount. 
they haven't done it a lot, uh, but it gives me optimism. We've seen Michigan come out with really good game plans against Ohio State, even in 2017. John O'Quarren and company just couldn't execute it, but I felt like they really had a few things schemed up there that they liked. 2019 even, they put up, you know, what, close to 30 points. It was not a great performance, and the defense couldn't stop Ohio State, but some of the things they did in that, too, to break tendencies, use some misdirection, were really good. And then last year was obviously just a, a magnificent uh, game plan on the offensive side of the ball. Misdirection, you're using Donovan Edwards as a decoy, you're you're using A.J. Henning with some of those jet sweeps. J.J. breaks tendency by, you know, instead of a read option, it was an RPO, he threw to Roman Wilson. He did hit on a couple deep passes. They hit on four of those in that game, so I do think that needs to come along. But the play action, I think, is the thing, and that's a long-winded uh, – you know, way to answer it. But that's something right now that is keeping me more hopeful about this past game. And another thing too, as much as we complain about the receivers and I have said it all year long as well, Anthony, we're up in the box and we're saying, man, there's just no separation here. Even Andrew Anthony, who I think has probably the highest potential out of this group, isn't getting separation on some of those deeper passes. Um, It's the same group as last year that did some of this stuff in some of the bigger games, plus Ronnie Bell, as you mentioned. So I do think there's more upside there than we're thinking. I think people are pretty down on it right now. And I think Harbaugh almost fed into that. I was kind of thinking over the last couple of days after the game when he was asked about it. Uh, and he said, yeah, that's probably a, a valid critique, you know, that uh, that you can't get in a rhythm if you don't throw much. I think he might be lulling these last few opponents to sleep a little bit in that regard as well. Make them think that you don't have anything up your sleeve when you do. Um, that's just me guessing. That's just me, you know, watching eight years of this, program under this coach and kind of reading those sort of tea leaves. Um, but that's kind of where I stand on it. I'm not overly worried, but I think they understand they need to get it going. And that's why we've seen some different receivers out there. Tyler Morris being one who I think has a really bright future. Um, but I will uh, stop ranting there and, uh, and turn it over to you because it's a great question by Kevin. Please. I'm the, I'm, I'm the worst offender when it comes to <laughs> ranting and people not get equal time here. So take us to 6:45 for all I care. Honestly. Um, <laughs> I think my last point on this is that when we do the dissection of, of what air quotes right now ails the passing game right now, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, schematics and play calling. Uh, they were scheming at times when they hit on those big plays, whether it be through a chick, trick play or play action. Those are things that last year we were seeing them scheme wide open. And, you know, part of the narrative is that, oh, well, JJ is nowhere near as good as, as JJ or, uh, JJ is nowhere near as good as Cade was on those deep yeah. balls. When you go in and look at the stats from last season, they're kind of on the same trajectory to uh, to be about what they have been, except a lot of JJs were racked up early on in non-conference play and what have you. So Some of Cade's uh, were too. Remember like yeah. Northern Illinois? Big yeah. I mean, Ronnie yeah. Bell's only catch of the season last year, 76-yard touchdown. So, yeah, for sure. Um, it's not. It's not as – they're not as far off as, as I think some people tend to believe it's I think they need to be a little bit more creative, but when you're playing a team that you're a 30 point favorite against, uh, I saw someone in the, the chat say, uh, you know, it was almost like live, like a live practice. Um, we don't see Michigan treat their opponents like that, but certainly when they called four, what was it like three or four deep passes in a row? Uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. When they call three or four deep passes in a row, you're kind of like, all right, well, Clearly, they're trying to either put something on film yeah. or just hit on something. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna move on from this after this question from Zara Darby here, who says DG. I'm assuming that means Devin Gardner uh, said he thinks they are saving the pass plays uh, that they're really good at for the game and using their less productive ruck, and using God, I can't talk tonight. Maybe you should take us to 6:45, Clay, uh, yeah. and using their less productive passing as reps in games. Thoughts. Um, it, I threw that up on the screen because it's kind of what you were alluding to there. And it's kind of what I talked about too, with some of the more creativity that we've seen in bigger games. I, I think they are doing that. I think Harbaugh, Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore have recognized that they want to get that going a little bit more that they want to see who can get reps on those downfield ones. We saw a few games in a row in the middle of the season where they didn't even use any of these deep balls. And, you know, people were kind of like, why aren't we taking shots? You know, they're stacking the box, that sort of thing. I think they've kind of realized at this point, all right, let's see what we got here. Let's see what we can do. Game reps are huge. JJ's talked about that as well, where he was not only in the offseason behind the eight ball with practice reps with these guys and, and workout, you know, when you go out and just throw in the summer because of his injury, but he's also been behind the eight ball a little bit 
some of those game reps. So, and you know, not starting the first game, that sort of thing coming out at halftime in some of those early season games. So um, I agree with uh, Devin Gardner. If he said that, uh, Devin's a great guy, obviously, former Michigan quarterback. And uh, I think he's smart to say that. And that's kind of what I believe too. And Anthony, I cut you off there. So, no, that's fine. Um, my last, last point on this is that I think when you look at, uh, obviously at some point, maybe even it starts Saturday is that, you know, to set JJ, I think JJ, JJ is, is a, I won't say a heat check guy, but I think when he's confident, that's when you start to see the throws where he's, you know, rolls out and throws across his body and puts a ball in a tight window. And I think to do that, uh, you have to start finding ways to get him in rhythm just in terms of the quick passing game. Uh, I think they have a room full of possession receivers right now. I feel like that, that you know, the, the quick pass, the bubble screen, the slants, uh, those quick shots, I think that what they have is kind of tailor-made for that. And we've seen it at times. I'm not saying they – it's it's not just run the football or chuck the ball down the field. This There's been a lot more nuance to that. But I do think we're going to see them peel some stuff back. Even, again, last year in that Maryland game, we saw them throw yeah. some different stuff on tape the week before the Ohio State game because mm-hmm. then – you know, then you got you're playing, you know, 3D chess and you've got a team thinking. So, uh, quick one here from account 22. Sorry, we're gonna just move, keep going here. Yeah. You have a final point on that? I was just gonna say it actually ties in with this with Donovan Edwards update. But think of the Nebraska game too. You were without Donovan Edwards and Luke Schoonmaker, two of your better guys at the underneath stuff, the matchup stuff. You know, we saw him do it against Michigan State when they're just kind of all right. Let's motion Donovan, see if it, we're in man. If we are with a linebacker. He's getting the ball. Same with Scooney. So that's important to note, too. Neither of those guys played most of that game, which leads us to account 22's question. Any Donovan updates? Um, Based on what they said on the TV broadcast, I guess it was kind of more precautionary. We had heard after the game as well that he had a wrap on his hand that he went in for halftime x-rays. have not confirmed that. Um, So I think they're being a little careful there. And Jim Harbaugh didn't rule out Donovan playing this weekend when he was asked about it earlier, but at the same time, I do take some of his responses on injuries with a grain of salt. Uh, he, he didn't rule out Scooney either. Um, so that's kind of where it stands, but I think you need Donovan Edwards. And if he, if there's question about if he's a hundred percent or whatever, then maybe you do sit him out this weekend, but at the same time, yeah, kind of talked about with the Maryland game, you want to put some things out there. You want to get some, you know, more reps in some more momentum going into Ohio state. Yeah, and as far as the other injuries go, um, whoops, absolutely clicked on a different question. We'll get to that. Um, should we? This is a live decision here. Do we want to? Do we? Do we spill the beans on the parking lot, guys, today? Or I think we can. Uh, we saw yeah. Trevor Keegan walking mm-hmm. out of the building and looked okay, I guess. And I saw Luke Schoonmaker walk into the building today, and you know you know, was walking into the building and looked okay. So not saying that means anything, but. Um, well, it means something because we had heard last week, Trent a. Jones was, or sorry, Trent a. Jones, Trevor Keegan, uh, both T names were, was in a boot uh, at one point last week. And then we also heard that Luke Schoonmaker uh, was walking around with the sling on for early in the week. So not exactly sure the timeline, how long that's been off, but it means, it means something. Those guys are close. And then Mike Morris as well. We'll find out in about an hour. Uh, He went down late in the game. Didn't look super serious based on the way he kind of jogged off with a little bit of a limp. Uh, But he will be on with John Jansen on the Inside Michigan Football Show tonight. Typically, in my years doing this, Anthony, you've been doing it longer than me. They don't typically schedule interviews for guys that are going to, you know, miss extended time or miss a game or whatever. So um, I think that's somewhat significant. I'm sure John will ask him about it, too. Yeah. Um, so later on in the week, when people are reporting on certain players, uh, you can say you heard it here first and it's everything true. else will be confirmation of confirmations and sources say, blah, 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 blah. So that's what we know. I mean, just in case we get any other injuries, that's kind of where things stand uh, as, as of Monday on Illinois week. So, and I said in a hit earlier today that I think that every able-bodied guy, uh, I would assume I think every able-bodied guy is going to play next week. It's just a matter of can they pick and choose? And I still think Illinois is, is too good of a team where you're treating it like a non-conference game. Uh, you know, guys that can be on the field will be this weekend. So uh, let's, let's put a pin in this right now and go to talk about our friends at rogue shop really fast. Uh, 
I just turned 30 years old the other day and already I'm noticing bones that are cracking when I get out of bed that weren't cracking before. I have a little bit of back pain today. Um, and Rogue Shop, our friends at Rogue Shop have all kinds of products for, for pains, anxieties, uh, CBD, THC-based products. Uh, we've talked about them before. Uh, you can use the promo code Wolverine, the Wolverine for 10% off at rogueshop.com. But what is that? Let's talk about Rogue Shop really quick if you're a first-timer here. Like our friend Kevin, who said he's new to the Wolverine. Uh, it's a husband and wife business led by our pals Richard and Shar, who are craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch sustainable plant medicine. Uh, Richard is a disabled combat veteran, and his wife is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. They operate out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And what they're doing is they work to not only grow and, and manufacture these THC-based medicines, but also educate. If you have questions, you can go to their website. Uh, they have a live chat where they will uh, go through. I mean, they will answer every question you have. And if you don't do business with them, that's fine. They'll still answer your questions. They'll still give you the education, but please do business with them. I mean, if you have stress, anxiety, chronic back pain upon turning a certain age, uh, insomnia, Rogue Shop has it all. They're willing to hop on the live chat. Like I said before, they have Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD, and THC products. They're all lab direct without middlemen. Um, they do have psychoactive products too uh, that are gummies, moon rocks, pre-rolls, uh, dabs, diamonds, lollipops, hard candies, and much more. So uh, if you have any questions about the psychoactive stuff, be sure to uh, be sure to ask them that. They have solves, lip balms, bath soaks, soaps, CBD flowers, and hot cocoa, massage oils, pain creams, you name it all. I feel like uh, Bubba and Forrest Gump naming off all the different kinds of kinds of shrimp when I do this read. But yeah, these uh, Richard and Shar are great. Uh, Mr. Rogue himself is on our message board, also able to answer questions there. So that's been a resource for our, our readers and followers. So they grow their own stuff, they manufacture their own stuff, and it's all with their own two hands, uh, unlike competitors that are replacing humans with robots, which is automation's crazy these days, but not our friends at Rogue Shop. So the other thing that we love about them is that each box comes with a personal handwritten letter sent with love from Mr. and Mrs. Rogue to add that extra touch to their care packages. So uh, they are licensed by the USDA for growing with a license to manufacture in Wisconsin and Texas. And all products are tested by a third party in Botanicor and ACS Labs. That's my long-winded pitch to you on Rogue Shop, Clayton. Uh, they've sent us care packages before. I'm actually running low on a few products uh, after you know it lasts too lasted a couple months. But uh, I know you have nothing but good things to say. Uh, good things to say about uh, Richard and Shar. Yeah, Richard, uh, retired combat veteran. Thank you for your service. It was just Veterans Day on Friday, so thank you to the service of all the men and women that have served our country. We appreciate you uh, more than you know, and uh, you know, proud to be part of this whole thing. Rogue Shop sponsoring us couldn't be better people. We met with them; they were awesome. It's also week what twelve now in the college football season. Yeah. We talked about injuries just before we did this ad read. I mean, guys are nicked up, guys are banged up. I'm nicked up. You know, we're tired. We got home from Detroit on Friday night after the basketball game at like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> pain cream, if you're sore, all that sort of stuff. I know you highlighted a ton of their products, but the pain cream is fantastic. Gave it to uh, some older uh, family members of mine as well. So I uh, can't say enough good things about them. Proud to be uh, sponsored by Rogue Shop. And remember, use the promo code the Wolverine, uh, one word, uh, caps, no caps, doesn't matter, uh, for 10% off over at rogueshop.com. So uh, be sure to check out our friends over there. Thank you to the Rogue Shop for sponsoring our Monday night show. Let's keep this train rolling uh, here. We talked about injuries. We talked about the passing game, which I'm, I'm officially putting the kibosh on that the rest of the show. We did 45 minutes on it Saturday, not doing that again. Um, let's go to Jason Campbell, who says, sounds like Illinois is unsure if uh, Chase Brown will make the trip this week. If he doesn't play... Is there any concern about Illinois on Saturday? And I'll just I'll take the I'll, I'll take the first crack at this. I think he can whether he plays or doesn't play on the way that this team is taking care of its business. I don't have concern about Saturday. Uh, this is an Illinois team that lost. I mean, their three losses this year have been terrible. I mean, two yeah. of them are terrible. Indian they've lost to Indiana. They lost to Michigan State. Uh, they they let one slip away against Purdue. 
again, uh, because the Big Ten West is so bad, I mean, Iowa is kind of in the driver's seat now to win it, um, which is insane Crazy. to say. And it tells you tells you all you need to know, quite frankly. Um, I'm surprised that this spread isn't a little bit longer than 17 and a half point or larger than 17 and a half points, but maybe it crawls up a little bit towards the end of the week. But um, maybe it's hubris. Maybe it's the fact that this, this team has really only been in a competitive game in the fourth quarter once this year, and that was way back when they played Maryland. No, no, I, I don't have concern about Illinois either way. Maybe that's cocky, but that's how I see it. Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk this season about Michigan's strength of schedule. It hasn't been that strong, not only in the non-conference, but throughout the Big Ten season. There are just several teams on there that are down. You also got Penn State at home. That helps. You didn't have to go to a Wisconsin, uh, all that. But there's been a ton of talk about that. There's been a lot of talk about, well, when are we going to play 60 minutes? You know, you've had the halftime stuff. The stats in the second half have been great. But for all of the talk about those sorts of things, we got to highlight, too, just how focused this team has been. They haven't overlooked anybody. There hasn't been 60 minutes of a lack of focus either. And I think that's impressive. So uh, I always say this where people are like, should I worry about this game or should I be concerned about? I think you should worry. Like worry is not a bad thing necessarily. Like I don't think you should be extremely worried about Illinois. I think you should be pretty comfortable about where Michigan stands. But for me, I go into every game thinking, you know, any scenario could play out here. It's all percentages, you know, 5%, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're a formidable opponent. I will say that the thing that not scares me but would concern me the most is Illinois has a very good defensive line. Again, you know, they haven't played, you know, a daunting schedule over there in the West. But, you know, if they could slow down Michigan's run game a little bit, which nobody has all season long, then I think you're going to have to see Michigan adjust a little bit and do some different things. Uh, if Chase Brown plays, you know, they could have some success on the ground, score some points. Um, but it didn't look like, based on the way he left the field, uh, that he's going to be available. And I don't know if Bielema talked today or not, if we had an update. Um, but we'll try to uh, find that later on here and, and obviously write something about it this week. But, um, no, I think Illinois is a fine team. It's honestly one of the better teams Michigan's played. But, yeah, you, you said it. I mean, they lost to Michigan State which was reeling, had eight guys suspended. And then they lost to a Purdue team that had lost two straight coming in. Um, so just not good. And then the Indiana, I know, whatever, earlier in the season. But that's still out there, too. I think Michigan should be able to handle them at home, senior day. You should be, feel uh, you know pumped up, and, and I think it's going to be a good crowd. So I, I think 17's good with me. That sounds about right. Michigan should, should roll again and, and try to get some momentum, stay healthy going into Ohio State. Yeah, if you want a uh, Chase Brown update here, uh, Brett Bielema did speak a couple hours ago. He said, uh, this is from the St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch, I believe it is. Yep, I have that right. want to make sure we cite things correctly. Uh, Illinois running back Chase Brown, the nation's leading rusher, is, quote, trending in the right direction after injuring his right leg late in Saturday's loss to Purdue. Coach Brett Bielema told reporters on Monday, Brown needed help getting back to the fighting Illini's bench after being tackled out of bounds during the final minute of the 31-24 defeat. And uh, Bielema said, very positive and excited, but don't know where we'll be by Friday for the trip and Saturday for the game. So I would have to think, knowing that, I mean, this is a must, this is a must-win game for Illinois if it has any chance to win the Big Ten West. It From their perspective, not saying that Michigan has a chance to lose it, just calling it what it is for Illinois. I bet, I bet if, even if it's at 75 or 80%, I think we'll probably see chase Brown on Saturday, but um, no, to, to on Monday to say trending in the right direction and very excited. That leads me to believe that either a, it's not as bad as they thought it was, or B they know they can shoot him up with whatever they need to and get him on the field for that game. Or Bielema has been around a long time, man. He might, it might be a little gamesmanship as well. I mean, Harbaugh wasn't going to give any updates on Monday about Donovan Edwards or Schoonmaker or really anybody all season long. He's been about as tight lipped this year with injuries than, than I can ever remember. Um, no man knows the future, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's kind of broken out that line where it's like, well, I can't predict what somebody else will be, uh, how they'll be feeling. So, yeah, I mean, it could be that, but. It's also a guy, yeah, like you're right. I mean, it's we're at the point of the season where everyone's kind of hurt, but also like these guys, especially the top tier guys for each team, they want to be out there really bad. And this is a huge game for Illinois. 
So if he can play, just like if there's guys that, you know, maybe are borderline for Michigan, if they can play next weekend against Ohio State, I would expect them to. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that throughout the week. Yeah, and like I said before, um, must-win situation for Illinois. Uh, this is kind of like the biggest that's this is the biggest one left for them honestly so um i would love to see them be at full strength because that's just that's more that's more ammo for i know illinois isn't going to go you know they beat if they are to beat purdue then that they stay ranked and then we're talking about having a top 25 win on the books this weekend that's probably not going to ha- i mean that's not it's not going to happen now unless the playoff ranks them uh, in an odd way but yeah, would love to see them at full strength. And, and back to injuries for a second and talking about confirming or not confirming news. The only confirmation we've really ever gotten this year is after guys like Eric All and Cade McNamara posted on their own that they were going in for surgery. Uh, and today's update was, of course, that Cade McNamara confirmed out for the rest of the season, which shouldn't be a surprise at this point. Uh, there was some talk mid-year that he might suit back up and get on the field, but uh, not going to happen. Uh, we'll see if that's the last of him in a Michigan uniform calling a spade a spade would tend to think it probably is because he has eligibility remaining, but yeah, uh, your quarterbacks are what they are moving forward. And, and that's, I think you're still in, in great shape there. So I uh, won't dwell too much on that. Uh, we will go next to Shadyville, our good friend Shadyville, who often is on these shows. And uh, we're not going to go super long tonight. we got maybe another five to 10 minutes left. So uh, last call for questions. If you want to skip ahead in the line, super chat would be much appreciated. It goes to the travel budget there. So uh, yeah, appreciate everybody. Perfect. Um, we'll go to this one from Shadyville here who asked, has the rise of Mike Sainer still overshadowed the rise of Makari page? Moten appears to be a big drop off. Any updates on pages return uh, Clayton, as you tend to do, you can correct me if I'm out of tune here, but I believe Makari page was in uniform on Saturday. Yeah, so Makari Page dressed, which is a good sign. Did not make the trip the prior week to Rutgers, but he did dress. Um, and, you know, he was flying around in warm-ups, looked normal to me. So I feel like he was a guy that was more precautionary. And he's one of those guys now that's going to want to be out there in these big games. Shadyville asked a great question here. I mean, the secondary for Michigan, we've talked about it and how good it's been. And we've talked about some of the issues, too. You know, there's been some deep ball Concerns, but I mean, maybe other than Michigan, every team completes some of those here and there. So you can't, you know, get too concerned about that. But Mike Sainer still has been so good. The guy who hasn't been talked about enough is Makari Page for how good he's been. He came into the year. I was pretty skeptical of him, to be honest, coming into the season because he played a decent amount as a freshman. I wasn't overly impressed. They were pretty thin there. And then last year, he was just completely buried. R.J. Moten had passed him up. I think R.J. started eight games back there with the likes of Brad Hawkins, Dax Hill, moving back and forth between nickel and safety. And then Makari Page this year put together a great spring, had a good fall camp. And Jim Harbaugh said even he was skeptical. Could he translate it from spring to fall camp? And he did. And now he's taking it into the season. He's versatile. They're putting him in the nickel at times. They're putting him in the box. They're putting him at, at the post. Um and I, I really like what they're able to do with some of those more versatile guys like him and Rod Moore, where you can disguise them pre-snap, where it looks like they're doing one thing, but they're doing another. Um, can't wait for them to get him back because I think he is going to be an X-Factor type of guy in the Ohio State game. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like he's trending in the right direction, to use Brett Bielema's words. We've got a super chat here from Nick for nine ninety nine, who says, uh, reading what John U. Bacon – thank you, Nick, first and foremost – uh, reading what John U. Bacon reported about the MSU sideline makes me sick. I don't think the Big Ten should make this game a protected rivalry when they realign. You don't try and end guys' careers. Um, yeah, if anyone didn't see what John reported, it was you know basically along the lines of um, there was more. There was stuff on the sidelines that Michigan State coaches were saying about ending Blake Corum's career and and going for his knees and stuff like that. I, I don't. To even, first of all, like John's, John has written, we don't even need to speak to John's credentials here. I mean, he's as qualified to report on any of that as anyone in this market has been on any topic. But um, I just would say the things that he wrote in there are things that we've heard. Uh, It wasn't surprising to see. Um, 
and I, I will be interested to see. So just an update on, on where all this stuff stands. I mean, the police report has been turned over to the Washtenaw County prosecutor and they will decide from there whether to press charges or to not. Um, I'm sure the big 10 at some point, someone in that office will wake up and say something about this. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess all I could really say on it without, because I'll be honest, I am not interested in saying anything on the show that is going to be fodder for an MSU podcast or an MSU guy to chop up on Twitter and say lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> any, any lawyers that, um, you know, the silence might palpitate for them or the loudness might palpitate for them. One would say, um, all I will say is this, is that the Michigan, Michigan state rivalry. And we've talked about this. We talked about it weeks ago. Uh, rivalries are supposed to be heated, but they're not. I mean, when it, the toxicity of it is, is bothersome, but this, it should stay is I'm, you know, you shouldn't take away something that I still think is a net positive for this state uh, and showcasing football in the state, because one of the programs decided to not act uh, appropriately to, to say it, to put it lightly. So um, if any of the stuff about, you know, and, and, and some of that stuff end his career, go for his knees. A lot of that is, I will say is, is, I mean, I don't, how do I choose my words carefully here? It's not right to say, uh, but there is a lot of stupid profane stuff said on football sidelines and on the field. So that's not a defense of that. I'm just saying that it was, yeah, it's sideline talk. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's on the way to the locker room talk. Apparently that's true. So, do you have um, any, uh, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I'm, I don't even feel like addressing it. I I'm at the point and have been at the point. Um, I'd love for someone to wake up and give a statement on this leadership, you know, someone in a, law enforcement or leadership thing, because like my fear, it's not even a fear. It's that like, okay, this has already gone on long enough that, okay, are we going to start getting updates on it during Ohio state week? Like that's just ridiculous. Let's come on. I hope not. You're right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it was disgusting to read. I agree. It made me sick. And then, then also you see very predictable, but the people on the other side of this, whoever they may be in our state, you know, potentially some people's neighbors, some people's coworkers uh, coming after John U. Bacon, shooting the messenger. Uh, this is also a guy they're saying he's propaganda for, I've seen that, you know, for the university of Michigan, this is a guy that's had his press pass pulled by the university of Michigan in the past. He's been very critical of the university of Michigan on several occasions. So have to keep that in the context of this as well. Uh, and he, as you said, his credentials speak for themselves. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's really not much to say. It, it was disgusting. It doesn't surprise me, which is sad to say in and of itself. I wish I thought more of that institution and that program, but, uh, I don't. And seeing that didn't overly surprise me, but it did disappoint me. Wow. You're taking the, the disappointed parent approach to That's it. That's right. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to say on this matter. I think um, we can move it on. I, I think we can too. Nick, thanks for the uh, the chat. Uh, again, anyone else who has questions, feel free to get them in. You've got, I'm going to give you a five minute warning here. So uh, Becky and Chad have a question looking ahead. Don't look past We hear this all the time. Don't look past Illinois. We, you know, we have a game this week to play. We can do that. We're not putting up on shoulder pads and, and lacing them up this week. So Becky and Chad, I'm allowing this question here. What does Michigan have to do to get the win this year against Ohio state? It's a great question. Score more points. Jim Harbaugh would say score more points. That's the seven, $8 million question. Um, that's, that's really been, it's, it is a great question, but it's been the story of the entire season, right? And we've kind of seen Michigan's year play out. We've seen Ohio state. You look for flaws, you look for strengths, you look for potential things that you're going to see uh, Michigan or Ohio state break out in this game. I think Michigan's got to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Like it did a year ago. I think they can do that based on what we've seen throughout the season from both teams. I think Michigan is going to have to get a little bit more creative, cough, cough, play action, something we talked about at the top of the show. If you joined us late, go back and, and listen to some of that. We had some good stats there. Um, and I think that Michigan is going to have to be good on third down and good in the red zone. It's really the same formula 
as a year ago. As much as people talked about earlier in the year about this team being more dynamic or better, or more talented, and I think it is, um, it still comes down to those things. Ohio State's going to have probably 450, 500 potentially yards of offense. But if you get some stops in the red zone, if you get a lead, um, then I think it's going to be anyone's game at the end. And that's more than you can say about other Michigan-Ohio State games, especially in Columbus, where they haven't won since 2000. So I think they have a heck of a chance. Um, not ready to predict it yet, but I'm close. And I may predict it on next Monday's show. We'll see. Ooh, oh, we call that a tease. That's right. Yeah. Tune in um, next week. I think the recipe looks very similar to last year's. Um, I would say that I think you're going to have to find ways to be a little more explosive offensively. Like that's what we've talked yeah. about before too, is you know, you control the line of scrimmage. You get to, you get to be the steering wheel, right? That's what they always taught us playing football in high school is that uh, when you're playing offensive line, there's a certain, there's certain leverage points to where like a guy's shoulder pads or the, his chest pads just kind of start becomes the steering wheel and you're driving the car the rest of the game. Like if Michigan's able to do that, you kind of get to um, you get to set the tone, set the terms. I've been hammering the table with that all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Robbins says exactly what I would say. You limit their offensive possessions. You limit big plays, run the ball, eat clock, play tough, and, and play clean. Don't turn over the football. Um, that's the other thing, too, is that I think in offense like Ohio State's, you want to you want to make them go the long way and then shrink the field in the red zone because that's yeah. where you're able to – you get off the field on third downs or, or instead of a, a touchdown in the red zone, you're, you're making them kick field goals. It's, it's, you know, for offense, it's touchdowns, not field goals. And for the defense, it's field goals, not touchdowns. And that's, you do that and, and you see what happens. Uh, I think the bold, I'm mean, not a bold prediction. I think my, I don't think even with the way that Ohio state has looked at times, I don't know that you're necessarily going to dominate them the way you did last year, just because they're, I mean, I think they're foaming at the mouth for another shot at Michigan, the same way that Michigan's foaming at the mouth for another shot at them. So we'll see what happens. Uh, All of the uh, Jason Campbell asked any concerns about clock management. It was painful to see the final drive in the first half. I mean, clock man, like, Jim Harbaugh does a lot of things well, but oftentimes though, those end of half, uh, namely the end of the first half, it's like, uh, it just kind of is what it is at this point. I don't know that it's something that gets worse or something that gets a whole lot better that changes game to game and, and offense to offense and, and whatnot, but no, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm starting to think that he might not be that good at clock management. Um, it's eight. It's been eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's one of those things that was bad you know it's it's been at times like i don't put it all on him necessarily it's more like all right why aren't they getting faster to the ball here you know whatever oh that guy didn't get out of bounds there's been certain things like that but like not calling time out after declining a penalty when your guy got tackled in the field of play you know the clock's gonna run i you know even if jim harbaugh for a second was like, oh, shoot, I forgot the clock was going to run. Don't you have like 20 other coaches and staff members with headsets or on the sideline that know that as well? So, yeah, that was pretty bad. It did cost him at least one play. I thought they should have probably called timeouts earlier in that drive as well. Um, but, yeah, it kind of is what it is at this point. Not really concerned about that. Um, and maybe it's something we talked about earlier in the year too, like c- certain mistakes – that Michigan's had or whatever, or they, you know, haven't been that good in in one area in a certain game. Now that happened. And I I don't think he's going to let that happen again this year, at least that bad. Um, So it might be one of those blessings in disguise too, where you kind of, Oh shoot, we got to be more on top of that. And then they work on it. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Silver lining. Silver lining. Sure. It's amazing just in general, how, uh, you know, could you name me a head coach who's just phenomenal at managing the clock? It seems like it's more Some of like the great ones are bad at it. Andy Reed. Andy Reed's terrible. Um, um, Sean McVay has been bad at it at times. Uh, I watch a football coach on Sundays every week that, you know, struggles to manage a clock in down and distance situations. So yeah, going uh, for that's not exactly down. the same level of football, but yeah, no, no concerns over that. Um, I think as is the case as we kind of bring this whole thing full circle here, um, I think Michigan, it's it's telling 
it's very telling about this Michigan team that there have been a lot of times this year where I don't want to say they've looked bored, but they've played with their food a little bit and they still beat you by three or four scores when the game is over. I feel like when this team is at its most, it, it just it's locked in in the biggest moments that it's had this year, whether that be going into the locker room trailing or, you know, you go to Kinnick Stadium and you run the ball down their throats on the very first drive of the game in a raucous environment. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like the best, the best is going to bring the best out of everyone on this team. Uh, I haven't seen anything to suggest to uh, suggest otherwise yet. So uh, any other final thoughts as we wrap up here? Yeah, so I was on the huge show earlier, and right after he introduced me, he says, is Michigan going to lose again this year? Um, I said probably based on you know what's ahead here. I, I Again, I still am not ready necessarily to predict a Michigan win over Ohio State. I think it's going to be a really good game. And even if someone does win by a couple scores, it's still going back to what we were talking about before that last question. It still could come down to like six to eight plays, some third downs, some red zone stuff. Think of last year's game. Michigan dominated that game from a line of scrimmage standpoint, statistically on the ground, all that sort of stuff. Ohio State hadn't rushed for that few rushing yards in years. Um, I, I believe it was several. Uh, but it still came down to three Aiden Hutchinson sacks. Two of them were on third down. A David Ajabo sack. One of them was on third down. Some of those red zone field goals they forced some of those huge third downs they picked up, some big runs by Haskins, scoring at the goal line rather than, you know, you you laid it out as well with the touchdowns for, you, you need touchdowns, you want to force field goals. So um, I think it, it's going to come down to some of those swing plays, and that makes this thing exciting. I think Michigan has as good of a chance to go in there and beat, uh, beat Ohio State in Columbus uh, as I've seen in a long time. And that's with the benefit of hindsight bias a little bit because I thought they were going to win in 18. Um, but I'll just end it with this for you. I know we're a week ahead, but we can do that in the media. And as fans, where do you see this game? I and mean, where would you handicap it? Do you think Michigan's going to win? It's a tough question. I thought you wanted to get out of here quickly tonight. Yeah. I'm going to sit well, here. here we are. It's been fun. <laughs> Great questions. Um, oh yeah. Phenomenal questions. And this was a good one too, objectively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to win it this year. I do. Um, I I am kicking myself for, I feel like I even talked to you at points of the game last year, uh, you know, in early in the week where I was like, you were more confident than me and most, I have like, I just have this gut feeling about it. And, but I don't have the balls to say it. I feel like we had the same conversation in the summer. Um, when I was doing the football preview and, you know, ultimately slotted Ohio state above Michigan. I um, wanted you to keep you stick with your gut there. Yeah. No, I'm 30 has brought a level of wisdom, uh, on, on, you know, right. an unprecedented amount of wisdom to me. And a lot of that wisdom is go with your gut. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to beat Ohio state this year. I don't know that it looks the same, but yeah, I do. I do believe that. Cause I think when push comes to shove, one team has that dog in them and the other one I think is a finesse program. I do. I have no issue saying it. And I think that uh, I'll just double down here. I think that last year's game against Ohio state for Ohio state had the same type of psychological thing that the 2018 game had on Michigan. I think that winning two in a row against this team could throw them into an identity crisis, the likes of which we have not seen from that program uh, south of the state line in a while. So, yeah, you know what? Fine. I'll be that guy the next two weeks. Yeah, I think Michigan will beat Ohio State. And then last thing, too, I love that, by the way, by you. Um, Looking just at the rest of the college football playoff, do you believe, and I don't know who TCU would play in the Big 12 championship game, but do you think the loser of Michigan-Ohio State gets in, or what what are the percentages there? USC is the only Pac-12 team that is now a threat. Uh, they are going to have to beat UCLA, beat Notre Dame, and win the Pac-12 championship against potentially um, – who would it be? Um, potentially in Oregon maybe or something like that. But where do you see that playing out, I guess? Because I think I think there's a chance the loser gets in. I think they're going to need some help, though, from those two teams because I think if TCU keeps winning and if USC keeps winning, then I think – the loser of that game gets left out. 
I think the best four teams in college football right now are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee. I agree um, with that. I agree with that. And it comes down to this, and it will test a theory of mine, is that the college football playoff is essentially just the BCS plus two teams. I have a hard time believing that if they can justify putting Michigan in there, which means at worst a close loss to Ohio State, you mean to tell me they're going to put TCU in over Michigan? I don't, I don't see that man. Um, at the same time, the gut feeling is that Michigan, Ohio state's a playoff game and the winner of that game will make the college football playoff and the loser will not. And the argument for Michigan, if they lose it is that it will have been the quote unquote, only the toughest game they played all year. And, and the non-conference holds them back and all that, which yeah, I, I, FPI says there's like a 62.5% chance Michigan's in, and that's with an expected loss to Ohio State baked in there. So, But they're, they're still giving them a decent, what, 30% yeah. chance of winning. So yeah. probably, I think they're saying probably not with a loss, right? Uh, yeah. Without doing crazy math there. But I'm, my, yeah. my gut says no. Um, Me looking too. Looking at the standings right now, it looks like TC would play Kansas State. Um, it could be. In the Big, tough, ton, but... Big 12 title game, so. We'll see. Um, I don't expect anything to change in the playoff rankings tomorrow night. But no. yeah, um, there is certainly a path to get in. But I, I will say this: I don't want, I don't want Michigan fans to like cry if they don't get in if they don't beat Ohio State because at that point you won't, you know, you won't control your own destiny no matter what you feel about it. So that's just the reality of the situation. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good show. Yeah, great show. Um, yeah, Chris Ballas will be back with us next week. Every, all hands on deck next week. I mean, next week is is the week, the game. And I, Come I, on. Can't, I can't believe uh, the season's flown by, but at the same time, I the ne- the build-up to next week is just going to be so long and so arduous. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, great show again. Shout-out to our friends over at The Rogue Shop. Remember, 10% off at theroguesshop.com or at rogueshop.com. Dot com using promo code the Wolverine is Clayton on the video edition showing off his pain cream to the world. Uh, so we love those guys. Thank you for your sponsorship. Thank you for all the quick, uh, the great questions. Be sure to like the video below. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the, ch- uh, to the channel. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent in a super chat. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you for your continued support. That's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, the three of us will be back Thursday to preview this game against Illinois. Maybe we'll have more updates on chase Brown and whatnot then, but, uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.